the volume. Crab cakes in football. That's what Maryland does. Welcome to another episode of Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco. I'm your host, Alex Monaco. Happy May the 4th. Michael Scott be with you here on a wonderful Kentucky Derby weekend. I'm coming at you old school calling with it. Radio audio only. I got my spectacles on. I got a beanie on like it's November and actually freezing. I'm talking into the mic and into my notes. We are fired up to be here. All things Knicks Heat, Lakers Warriors, Kentucky Derby pick at the end of the show. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, Moneyline Monaco, wherever you get your podcasts, across all social media under that handle, Alex Monaco on Twitter. We are coming at you wherever you get your pods, Volume Sports YouTube channel. Don't forget to throw us a follow on AMP. Let's get into it. Oh, baby. I'm coming off. And look, to my sports betting credit as a Laker fan in a pickle with Draymond Green on the network, knowing this is a riveting round five between LBJ and the big three, that this was going to be a zigzag back and forth 12 round bout in the ring. No easy, although blowout game, two W's. You know what I'm saying? This is going to be top shelf Hall of Famers at their best, coaching adjustments at their best. And that is really what it's going to require to win this series. And I do want to start with the Lakers and the Warriors here. Oddly enough, I don't know what's going on with NBA scheduling. I I mean, Knicks and Heat. Get wrapped on a Tuesday. I got time to go down to Del Boca Vista, visit all my Jewish relatives, come back to base camp, still get my laundry done, and have time for a pregame for Knicks Heat Game 3. Lakers Warriors, with all the old guys, are begging us for a non-Saturday at the Y schedule. Can we get a day off, please, to Larry David Lamp? What are we doing rushing this series? I don't get it. Is that a California thing? Because they're just hop, skip, and a jump for the Northeasters. Little L-I-R-R, N-J, transit, easy skip on the BART from NorCal to SoCal. Give the Kings some rest. Give Clay and Curry some rest. But we look at game one to game two in the Warriors-Lakers, and you knew it was coming. A Warriors bounce back. I said it on my Amazon amp. I knew that this was a trap game, and it is something to be weary of if you are betting emotionally because a rookie novice better would look at that line and say, wait a second, it was plus four and a half in game one towards the Lakers as dogs. They crush them, and now we're getting six, six and a half at a closing line. That's a web. That is where you almost have to look at the painting in a Costanza opposite way. The bookmakers were luring you in to click the Lakers button and remind yourself the theme of this playoffs. I've said it before. I'll say it again, all the way up until that three double digit day where the Hawks were, I think 12 and a half point dogs in that closeout game six and they won outright. The team that wins covers doesn't matter if you're a large favorite Celtics minus eight and a half game two with Embiid back 
Doesn't matter if you are an outright dog, Miami getting six and a half game one, you're going to win and you're going to often cover in this year's NBA playoffs. And you saw it last Thursday, Thursday night, depending when this hits your ears, with the Warriors routing. And the Warriors did really what the Warriors have done adjustment-wise so well this entire run with their big three and Kerr. And it's really a testament to, to Collins' incredible monologue where he came out the gate Friday on the herd and talked about just not overreacting and how the Warriors play creatively and artistically, but at the same time, they're systematic and formulaic. And he was comparing them to Apple, that Apple really is creative. You think about their commercials, you think about their marketing, even the Simon Sinek, how, why, wh- or excuse me, why, how, what, rather than selling you what it is, why does it work? How do I sell you? It's why, how, and then what is the product? And so back to just what, Colin said, and to echo that, you see what Kerr does, and it was rather fascinating because most coaches wouldn't have the wherewithal to beat you like this. The Lakers in game one, you saw it in the 117-112 route. They punished, they punished this team in the paint. It was all Anthony Davis, and it was all on the block, and it was quite quite frankly, a fantastic sight to see from a Lakers perspective. Now, game one versus game two, the biggest thing I saw in game one that I didn't see in game two from the Lakers side of things, obviously 54 points in the paint in the 117-112 win. They get routed by 27. You go look at that very same number, obviously not what it was in game one, but it was a Laker team and it's kind of a catch 22 because, and I'm going to try to round this out in a couple series and bring it back to the point. It's like LeBron. And we know this about him in game one, a series was feeling it out in game one. So AD takes over clear roles to find. Now LeBron wants to insert himself a lot more in game two. You saw him out the gate have an incredible first quarter. He had three threes. I mean, he had a great game by the numbers. No turnovers. Just very non-LeBron-esque when you really look at it. In the win, in the win, LeBron gives you 22 and 11, as opposed to the loss, 23 and 7. But he had a much different role in that game. It was, and LeBron's never going to be the decoy, but it was, let's take advantage of a fatigued, tired Golden State Warriors team fresh off a seven-game series. And just so you know, it is a huge Time to fade a team. It's a spot. It's a great spot. We talk about it in betting. The spot. Teams off game sevens and game ones. You can see it in the NHL as well. Happened both ways. The team is going to lose more often than not. 39% only does a team off a game seven win game one of their next series. Doesn't matter the team. Doesn't matter the circumstance. 
So LeBron plays what he does in game one. AD cooks for 30 and 23, and it allows for a D'Angelo Russell to give you 19. Dennis Schroeder with a comfortable, pivotal 19 in game one, eight and six for Vanderbilt. And it just flowed. And this was a Laker team that sustained 21 three-pointers made from the Warriors in game one. And ironically, it was the exact same number that the Warriors made in game two. But we're talking about 117 to 112 versus 127 to 100. Ironically, the Lakers had less turnovers. They had more steals. They had the same amount of blocks in game two. So why the routing? Well, the routing happened because they let the Warriors play their game. Now, Looney got sick, and it made it a little more obvious. I'm not sure that Kerr was going to go small ball, easy decision. I'll give him credit. Maybe say he would have anyways. But Looney's out of the starting lineup. Draymond's in. Remember, Draymond took himself out of the lineup in the first round when he missed that, that, that pivotal game against the Kings. He puts himself back in. You watch the Warriors, who got punished in the paint in game one, go smaller in game two. Colin talked about it. And you saw the Warriors slip into really a much more comfortable offense where not that they didn't do this game one, but I remember once interviewing Mark Medina years ago on my own pod and when I was hustling and reaching out to people on Twitter, et cetera. And I remember him telling me that this Warriors team played basketball like a great ensemble jazz band. And I'll never forget the example. It was when Kevin Durant was on the team, but he was just explaining how it's it's such a selfless offense and they don't really, again, care how they get it done. It's, it's what I said about Miami Heat basketball, and these are the two best passing teams in the NBA playoffs right now, far and away. The Golden State Warriors and the Miami Heat. And they're also, in my opinion, probably the two best coached teams in this tournament left. But you look at the balance scoring. I mean, again, for for us to sit here and, and say that Jamichael Green was going to get 15 points, a Moses Moody was going to get a 10, and you're going to see a Jordan Poole had six threes in game one, only come back down to earth to give you a humble six. And Curry gives you 20, but he gives you 12 assists. You would have said to yourself, that doesn't really sound... I mean, it sounds great, but it doesn't sound like a 27-point routing. But here we go. We have Curry with the most assists since the 2014 playoff game. 12. Draymond talked about it on his podcast. Clay goes for eight threes. It's the most for anyone ever in the history of the playoffs. To ink eight threes. It was his sixth time. After dapping up Darnold Kittle and C-Mac, by the way. The Bay is pumping and humming like the God and and they crush the Lakers. So Colin said it, and I agree. It's going to be on the Lakers and their coaching adjustments now that they're at home. But this is a team that goes as AD goes because LeBron gives you the same stat line, but in a weird way, gives you a much different game two than game one. And they get routed. The biggest difference is Anthony Davis. 
and and they're a perfect five and zero when he goes over thirty points, and they're five and one when he goes between twenty and thirty. It's only when he goes for under twenty are they a little over five hundred. So this is going to be riveting. Game three, it is a three and a half point line. I am taking the Lakers. I would advise you to consider maybe taking a different number than three and a half, maybe take two and a half. I don't want you to swallow minus 153 Uh, based off the theme of this year's playoffs. But my goodness, I would be sick if they win by three. I mean, you look at game one, it could easily come down to the wire like that. But this is a Lakers team that has to get back to their identity since the trade deadline, which has been defense which has been including via LeBron a engaged few key role players like an Austin Reeves. And and there is no mistake that an Austin Reeves and a D'Angelo Russell and a Dennis the Menace all are giving you double digits in a winning effort. Now, Rui Hachimura was sensational in game two, and he's really had an incredible playoffs. He had a Huge first round against the Grizzlies. He's going to get paid. Can these key role players at home that we've seen in crypto.com arena, we like to want to call it Staples, and we've seen it throughout the playoffs, pick a team, any team, timely role players cooking at home. They're going to need all of them. They're going to need Reeves, Russell, Dennis, even the Troy Browns and the Vanderbilts to give you a little bit of production, but this is going to be on an Anthony Davis back. And I'm fascinated. Last thing I'll say that we have Shaq and Barkley and some of the greats talking about if AD wants to engage and take over the Lakers will win this series. And he lays a dud in game two. And now you're hearing the Jay Williams of the world because I watch and listen to everything. Say, you know, this guy's got a ceiling of McGee, JaVale McGee, at times when he can't string together multiple great games. We can only hope that is bulletin board material. But I might I remind you that this Warriors team has played historically bad defense on the road in this season. Bottom of the barrel defense. Now, yes, this is not the regular season, but you have to remind yourself that this team has been night and day on the road and at home. This is going to be huge. We've seen a ton of broadcasters jump ship from the Warriors, from the Lakers to the Warriors after this game, too. I will go nowhere as a gambler. And that is why the gamblers in the broadcasting space can often be the great equalizer. Yes, we're selling you something, but we're selling you a win, not a narrative, not a storyline, not a bottom third with a ticker that makes you say, I just want clicks. No, if Anthony Davis can deliver, I like the Lakers in game three. We move to Del Boca Vista Shout out the pen. It's not a wizard. It's a willard. All right. We go to Miami for an unbelievable game three. They call it 
MSG South. Now, this will not be a home game for Miami. There will be so many New York Knicks fans in this crowd. I don't even know where to start. But I want to lay the table for you because I have to be honest, betting trends-wise, storyline-wise, this favors the Knicks in so many wonderful ways. You're just going to call me a homer, but I'm telling you, I've been on the Lakers. I've been on the Knicks. I've been on them since March, okay? I'm still having to sell you a car you don't think you need. The Knicks are winning the Eastern Conference. It starts with game three on Saturday. I will sell you on the New York Knicks by the end of this pick. Let's start out with Miami on the season in this arena. Oh, Miami's at home. Dude, I'm from San Diego, okay? Miami round two. Nobody cares about sports in Miami. I'm not saying there's not diehards. There's diehards everywhere. I'm saying it's going to be 84 degrees, sunny out, and 19 fun things to do on a Saturday afternoon. It's been raining. I'm in the concrete jungle, people. It's been raining Zoolander drops all over this city. All right, it's putting everybody in a post-Rangers lose seven to the Devils. Pissed off, we're going for Miami Heat's jugular mindset. And when I tell you that the Miami Heat are the second worst home cover as a favorite in the NBA on a Costco sample size of the season, it is fact, not fiction. It is proof, not opinion. This team is 12-24-2, Jimmy Buckets Heat is one win for every two on a cover in their arena. Do you know who the number one team is in the association on the road as an underdog? We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Go New York, go New York, go. Number one in the association, the New York Knicks straight up. Top five against the spread as a road cover. Let me add to it. This is a Knicks team that comes in going against a Miami team that somehow plays worse at home defensively than on the road. They are 18th at home defensive defensive efficiency efficiency wise. Okay. They're second on the road. Let me repeat that. 18th defensively at home, second on the road. They call Miami an adult Disneyland. They say it's a distraction. Well, the Knicks are sixth in the same defensive efficiency category on the road. The Knicks have a lower winning percentage on the road. Their home court than they do on the road. This is the upside and the downside to playing in a difficult market. I've said this before. Eli Manning did better on the road often than at home. New York thrives, thrives in these kind of environments. Jimmy Butler, and we need to say it again, rolled his ankle and it looked like a softball. The next day. Now, 
108-101 versus 111-105. These games and their storylines and their scripts have been fascinating. The Knicks in game one lose but punish Miami in the paint. 62-38 to in the paint, yet New York loses by seven. They decide to lose the battle in the paint in game two hit 16 threes instead at a 40% clip as opposed to a 20% 7 for 34 clip in game one, and they even the series. We can look at the painting in a number of ways. We can say to ourselves, Miami, who, oh, by the way, was 33% from the three-point land and hit 13 threes in game one and one, hit 17 threes and shot 34% in game two and lost, really only has one punch here in this boxing ring, in this dance. It's living and dying by a video game 2K three-pointer. How's your thumb on the right analog? Can you sustain that kind of shooting for seven games? I watched it in the garden. As you know, I host an MSG show, show, The Better Half Hour. Incredible access at the garden. Get to watch shoot around. Get to go up at the press booth. Watch like a real journalist. And I watch. I take notes. We are doing reaction videos for volume on this channel, talking it out. I'm watching game two. It was death by a thousand threes. But New York hung in there. Shot a lot better and showed you they can beat you in more than one way. Unlike, I believe, Miami has the ability to do. I don't think Miami can punish you like years past in gritty, lockdown, championship, spolstra, schemed out defense and then hit timely threes with really a lot of dog. This is not that that kind of Miami Heat team. It's not. Bam is their, is their point forward with no Jimmy on the block. I watched it for a whole first quarter. They ran a spread offense like a Texas Tech college football five wide empty set with Bam as your quarterback and everyone flanked out at three. This is the only way Miami's going to beat you. And I guarantee you Tibbs is too good of a coach to allow these kind of uncontested threes on the Miami home court. You cannot allow what they did at the Garden to do what they did at home. It will be a long day at the office. They have to close out. There's one coaching adjustment Thibodeau has to make. Close out, play better, help the the rotations have to be smoother. The Knicks just have to play better defense. And if they play better defense, they will win this game. Now, the big lefty three cooked in game two. Julius Randle, 25 and 12. RJ Barrett, three out of his last four, over 20, 24. Jalen Brunson had six threes, five of them in the second half. He goes for 30. They all step up in a huge way. And this was exciting, might I remind you, 
because they did it from three-point land. Mitchell Robinson gets in 2,000 the first three-minute foul trouble. They got to bring Hartenstein in. Happy birthday, by the way, to the now 25-year-old. He had huge, huge impactful minutes in game two. Nine rebounds was the difference maker. But this is where stat stuffing and looking at the box score versus watching the games, you got to remind yourself, sometimes there's continuity there. Sometimes there's not. There's not. It's like Miami wins the game in game one. You're kind of going, okay, wait. So they, they shot worse in game one than they did in game two, but they won versus they lost. You go around the ring, the LeBron James outputs almost the same, yet it's a routing versus a win. Obviously, AD is the difference there, but you look at the other series across the pond in the East, Joel Embiid doesn't play game one, then he plays game two, a a win versus a loss. Some things make sense. Some things carry weight. Some don't. I would expect, believe it or not, the Knicks to go more game one script than game two in this South Beach dance in round three. 34 points in the paint for the Knicks is not enough to to sustain multiple victories. They need to go back to 62 game one points in the paint, just shoot better than 20% from three and maybe not make 34 attempts your marker, your barometer. The Knicks and the Lakers, ironically, two teams I hold a ticket on. Uh, We'll buy a piece of property if they match uh, in the finals, by the way. I've been on it. Have to, have to brag, have to brag. The ironic silver lining for the Lakers and the Knicks. They're going against two better shooting teams, two better passing teams, two teams that are more than capable of just shooting alone to send you packing. But the Knicks, just like the Lakers, have the ability to impose their will in the paint, defensively, in their overall dog, because there's more dogs on both of these teams than the other. You just have to turn up the intensity, and that is, intrinsic, internal, how much remember the Titans any given Sunday is there in these gentlemen? I will take the Knicks on the money line in game three plus 138. I will double Costanza dip on the plus three and a half. I will take the LA Lakers minus the three and a half. I will take the LA Lakers on the money line. I will also parlay the Knicks and the Lakers at plus 288 for this weekend's dance. And those are my plays. As we segue into and wrap up with the Kentucky Derby. Oh, baby. How do you like and take your mint julep? All right. I would say really the theme here this week has been horses scratch. You had three horses scratched by Thursday. Then you had a fourth scratch by Friday morning. Um, an underdog named Skinner. We're talking about four horses scratched in a 24-hour period. And this Kentucky Horse Racing Commission, I mean, they're citing sources uh, left and right and everywhere. What, what Elevated temperature, peak fitness requirements. What's going on? Mendel bombs. Now, 
There's only three horses as alternates, believe it or not. So this fourth scratch actually reduces the field down to 19. I'm wondering how many times that has happened. So as we know, coming off of last year, rich strike shocks the horse racing world. And I did have a wonderful time in the horse racing world earlier this year with volume sports. Shout out my guy, Sean. We went down to the Breeders' Cup. Got to take in the scenes, do a couple of fun interviews. It was a grand old time. Learned a little bit about the racing culture in Kentucky. It's just a beautiful area and an incredible tradition like no other. But this is an interesting lineup here. Now, 80 to 1 the year before for a horse to win. I wonder how that how that really affects the day-to-day bettors in the weekend to weekend, I should say, race to race community when you have an 80 to one like that happen. You know, that's an anomaly. That does not happen. We we know more often than not favorites check out and win. Matter of fact, I believe it's in the mid 30s, the amount of time that has happened. But this year really does, according to the humble research we've done here at the Moneyline Monaco headquarters, features really another wide open field. Now, Forte, don't call him Matt, is your favorite here. He was he was named the champion two-year-old last year and won the Florida Derby five weeks ago. He is your favorite at the moment at around three to one. But this Tappet Trice horse, who I am really dialing in on here at five to one at, at your second best chances, who is trained by Hall of Famer, Todd Pletcher, who all, all by the way, has two derby wins, is someone that I'm really looking in to. And let's talk this out. Because this Tappet Trice horse, from what we have read, is a certified physical specimen. Now, he was the second choice of Todd Pletcher, who has the top two choices, believe it or not. This is a horse, not to go into it, but a long gate and apparently is known for taking a little bit of some time to get going. Now, where you're lined up on the post does matter a lot in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Tappet Trice is sitting there on the five post. So the downside, I guess, style-wise to a horse like this, who is a... I mean, he's sort of Derrick Henry of this race, right? Because rock with me here, and and I'm backing him. Derrick Henry gets stronger and runs harder as the game goes on in the NFL. Well, this is what that horse does. This is what that horse, Tappet Trice, is known for. You look at his resume, coming off an impressive showing at the 2023 Bluegrass Stakes. Second, barely. Barely. Now, um, excuse me, uh, won that, won that. Uh, verifying was second on the bluegrass stakes, which just shows you in a in a race like that where this horse with six career races, who's won twice and finished second twice, has the ability to take this race home. But even in addition to that, 
has the ability, and you can't really live bet in, in this sport. It's too fast of a race, but has the ability to come out slow and kind of bunched up because this horse is at the five post, but then at the end, on that last turn, have one of those turns and catch you up to speed moments to where they could just mess around and win the race. Now, just talking the field out a little bit here, there's a couple of interesting horses. This Dermasotagake horse out of Japan has been drawing a lot of buzz. This Arkansas Derby winner, Angel of Empire at eight to one, looking to become just the third Pennsylvania bred horse to win the Derby. Um, both interesting horses. I will say though, I have not read up on a more physically impressive horse than Tappet Trice. Five to one seems very reasonable. $100 wins you five to one. I, I just think the only thing in this horse's way with the combination of a Hall of Fame trainer is just that post position. That post position could catch this horse into a little bit of a scrum and not be able to break out. But that's who I'm going with. Just to be a really Chris Berman short with it on our way out. I think this is a very fun race for a lot of reasons. I'm not going to go exacta here. I don't want to give you a little boom, boom, boom. I just want to give you a winner. I'm taking Tappet Trice. The more you bet, the more, the more you lose. So let me give you one. Five to one. Give me T squared. Derek Henry of this race. Maybe parlay it. Tap it trice, New York Knicks money line, LA Lakers money line. How you doing? Real quick before we get you out of here, I am on the Lakers to win the series. As this hits your ear right now, 1-1. It is a Lakers plus 106 to win the series number. Golden State Warriors minus 124. I am taking the Lakers. As it stands now before Knicks heat, round three. The Miami Heat are slight favorites at minus 116. The Knicks are minus 102. Ironically, the exact number of parlaying the Knicks and Lakers to win the series at plus 307 is just a smidge below what the Knicks and Lakers to win game three are at plus 288. I'm telling you right now, these numbers will not be there by the end of the weekend. I am seeing the future like a 50-year anniversary Phil Jackson Willis Reed. I'm telling you, the basketball gods are working on overtime, Jerry. You enjoy yourself one heck of a weekend. You tap it twice on the subscription button. Goes a long way. Moneyline Monaco. Appreciate you. Knicks win. Lakers win. Tap it twice wins the Derby. Don't forget to hug your mothers. Much love. We'll see you on the other side. Ta-ta real smooth. The Volume.